Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin. This is session number 43. You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast, your source for information that teaches you how to build, run, and grow a successful local game store. With your host Tom Traplin, you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into some of the largest game stores in North America and see what they did to level up their business. Discover how to grow a passionate community of customers while building the profitable local game store you always wanted. The Maniverse Podcast is made possible by listeners and viewers like you. Help support the show and the creation of more, better content by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. As a patron, you get early access to the show before anyone else, shoutouts on upcoming episodes, and access to a weekly Google Hangout with me where you can ask questions about building a game store, creating the podcast, or whatever you like. Patreon.com slash Podcast. Join the Maniverse community by becoming a patron today. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me John Coviello. Say hi, John. Hi. And Wayne Middlestead. How you guys doing? <laughs> Great. And today we're, uh, we're going to talk about uh, an extension of what we were having a conversation about uh, last time with the, uh, the whole volunteer situation. Uh, specifically, we're going to go over an article that the owner of Black Timing Games... Uh, recently published called uh, Retail Headwinds and the Future Survivors. It's a uh, an article that deals with the well, some predictions that the game store industry might be going through, some changes, and we're going to pick it apart a little bit. No offense to Gary Ray, the author. If we disagree, just let's hammer away. So who wants to start? The first subject is uh, minimum wage. And this is a, it's going to be different for everybody, obviously, but yeah, and it's definitely got an Canadian perspective and a, a U.S. perspective, which is cool. You want to start, Wayne? Or yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a pretty strong advocate for uh, a higher minimum wage. Um, I think the fifteen dollar minimum wage that's been floating around for a while in uh, in the media is a great idea. Um, <clears throat> watching the uh, presidential campaign. Down south, uh, you know, here Hillary Clinton wants to bring it up to twelve, and Bernie Sanders wants to bring it up to fifteen, and uh, you know, so it's 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 uh, amazing how it's still such a very polarizing issue. Even the people that want to raise it, <laughs> they're arguing about how much it should be raised. But um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm a big believer in a livable income. Uh, I don't pay um, most of my employees more than minimum wage. Uh, yet, um, and that's simply because of budget. I, I want to pay them more. And uh, actually, when I am back uh, in the shop in a couple weeks after I <clears throat> heal from my recent surgery, uh, I am uh, going to be doing extensive employer reviews uh, and um, really um, invest in my employees at this point because we had a really good, it was the best year last year. This year, the first quarter is already better than last year. Um, and I think it's time uh, at this point that I can invest in my employees. And I think it's a, a very important area to invest if you can, because uh, they are, you're living a lifeblood in your store. They, they, uh, they do so much for you. You can't, you know, without good employees, uh, you don't have a business. You can't run the whole thing yourself. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think um, the article talks about, you know, how our store is going to survive 
um, the minimum wage. I know, I, I, what is it in the U.S. right now? Uh, it's, it can vary state by state, but I believe the federal mandate is 725, 775, I don't remember. There's a, there's a federal minimum, and then the yeah. states can adjust that, basically, if that makes sense. So that's sure. part, yeah. of the, um, part of the trouble there, because some states will struggle with this more than others. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, some states are already... Some states are already well above and beyond that federal minimum wage. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, because uh, that's that's ridiculous. Like that that amount is so low, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, I, I get that it's going to be a barrier for some businesses um, to improve wages. But I mean, if everybody does it, and this is the idea behind this, if everybody does it, then you're you're swelling up the entire economy. You're giving everybody more money and that's going to come back to you and that should you know it, it you should be able to carry through with that uh there might be some short-term loss in your expenses but i mean again your expenses as a business that's that's a cost you write that off um so even though you're paying more that's deducted off how much you're making you get taxed less at least here in canada um and uh and, and i think that's what really needs to happen to to make it really successful is have a big um, push together, everybody getting the, uh, the $15 minimum. Um, and uh, I think that will settle nicely across the board for everybody. And quite frankly, I don't know, if, if you can't afford that $15 minimum wage, maybe you need to take a, a closer look at your business, your business plan. And because, uh, you know, you, should, you really should be able to, to afford to pay your, your employees properly. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, so counterbalance, the big problem is not so much the raising on the minimum wage, is the mm -hmm. amount they're talking about, right? So we're talking about an over double jump, and that's that's what a lot of people are yeah. involved in, right? And that's when you look at it, I mean, when I get up, if I wanted to get elected, then I can promise the world and maybe not deliver once I'm elected, that's a different matter, but um, it, it's definitely high, right? Um, I'm going to give you some perspective from my point of view. Um, our basically right now, I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> your employees are one of your best valuable resources. They can be the worst um, 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 not detriment to your business if they're not good employees, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. When you got good ones, you want to keep them. That being said, I pay my employees more than minimum wage, okay? Uh, my managers get paid way more than minimum wage. But the reality of the matter is, when I look at my budget, I'm already investing between 20 to 22% of my gross sales into wages. Okay, mm -hmm. So it's, it's a pretty high percentage. Um, uh, and I don't know if I have more leeway to move now. The store is getting bigger, so in theory, we, we have more lines coming on board. We should have more revenue, which I'll gladly put it back into that. right? But, but at the same token, when it's mandated, you don't have a choice. The flip side of that would be those are the numbers. If you don't start seeing an increase in revenue, the sad part is you're going to cut something. And usually what, what we would have to look at is our least trained, our least, uh, I'm not going to say they're all valuable, but uh, return on investment, does that make sense, right? So um, when I'm trying to bring in somebody on board, there's a period, it seems crazy, but we have like a, a huge amount of things to learn. I mean, you would figure it oh, in yeah. an industry like this, yeah. right? Oh, it's easy. You know, I know games, I can work here. But so for the first two or three months, we're actually sinking more resources into the employee that he's giving back, right? And yeah. then it's kind of a crapshoot. Is it a good marriage? Is it not going to work out? Because, hey, 
this wasn't what I was expecting. I thought I was going to play games all day or, you know, or there's some people that really honestly try. They just don't, they don't fit well, right? Um, they're hopefully, not you, hopefully you cover that in the interview, though, and you make it very clear, you know, what they're signing up for. Yeah, I've been doing that for 21 years, and I don't seem to get it right ever, but um, that's <laughs> not true. I, I, we have about a 50-50% of, of success versus failure, right? Um, um, so the catch is when you're looking at 15, that gamble now becomes much, much bigger, right? You're going to invest two to three months worth of $15 an hour, um, not to mention what are you going to pay your managers, right? Because, I mean, if you raise the minimum wage, now you, you need to comparatively raise their income. And that's that's the big sticking point. Is this actually going to help us all? Or is it going to be one of those, like, everybody lost their job, not everybody, but a huge chunk of person lost their job, and now we're back to that spiral before um, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. And time will tell. I kind of suspect what's probably going to happen, we're going to see a, an increase, but it's not going to be this 15 or this 12. There will be something more conservative, I would imagine. But, yes, yeah. I agree with yeah. you 100%, Wayne. Yeah, I because I, that is a huge leap for you guys from 7 and change to, to 15. In Canada, it's 11. 11, so 11 to 15 is a little easier. Um, and uh, But I also think that we can expect more and ask for more from our employees as well. Um, because, well, I mean... Theoretically. You should be. You're I, saying I, I'm, I'm increasing your wage. I need you to also take up higher responsibility. Yeah, like when I when I go back and, and, and uh, do my employer reviews and, and give out raises when I'm, when I'm back... You know, there's going to be there's going to be two options. There's going to be like, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to feel out, see, you know, how how they're doing, what they like doing, what they might want to add to the responsibilities, what they'd be interested in, if they want to put more time in or not. Um, just kind of feel them out, and if they're kind of like happy where they are and what they're doing, and then they're not really interested in working any harder or anymore. Um, then they'll just get like a, a standard raise that they deserve. Um, uh, and then I'm going to also offer them, uh, you know, additional responsibilities uh, if they want to take on more shifts and offer them uh, a, another raise if they uh, accept that as well. And um, so I, I think, I think it's, um, I think it's reasonable to expect um Especially, especially when you're doing it yourself, you're not being forced to raise the the, the, the wages. Um, you, you should be able to expect uh, a little more work, uh, you know, a little more effort, uh, a little more responsibility. And you know, it, and if it turns out they're not really, they're kind of starting to fade away, then you, you hire someone new and get someone with new energy and and, and grow them. Um, so yeah, I mean. And, 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 you know, the, the honest, honestly, the reason I haven't uh, dished out raises, uh, well, obviously it was dictated by budget, but uh, we've been raising the minimum wage here in Canada in a step-by-step -step fashion over, since I've been open, I think it was uh, 775 when I opened 13 years ago, and then it went up to 8, and then it went up to 9, 25, the most recent one... Uh, it was just a couple of years ago, went up to 11. So um, they have been getting raises. <laughs> uh, but um, for me, I mean, at this point that I can afford it, it's, it makes me feel so good. Uh, and they're, you know, 
it's a long time coming to actually proactively give them a raise. That isn't something that has to happen. It's my choice. And uh, I think that's going to go over really well um, with them. I mean, what employee doesn't like to be appreciated? That's a huge part of being happy at a job, right? And feeling like you're, you're being appreciated. And, and they know, I mean, I'm very honest with them. Like I, I tell them all the time, I wish I could pay you more money. You know, you guys are doing a great job for me. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a great feeling to, to come into work and go, okay, guys, it's time to, to share the wealth. We're doing better. Let's uh, move forward in the future together as a strong, happy family and make sure every, everybody's, uh, everybody's good. Taking care of. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because in some ways you're actually arguing against the minimum wage increase because you're saying I'd love to be able to pay them more money. And you would if you could. Yeah. And if they like just said today, like in Canada, at least if they said, okay, 15 bucks is the minimum wage, like starting now, the, the primary argument against raising minimum wage is that when uh, you have two minimum wage jobs and you increase it by 50% or hundred percent, now you have one minimum wage job because you're like the store didn't necessarily suddenly sell more money or sell more product or make more money. No, you just have a tighter budget and a higher minimum, right? So like there is... Yeah, like I agree with the the sentiment that you want to be able to pay your employees better. And like right. every every business should strive to pay their employees as well as they could. But you you inevitably have to just adapt and and deal with it and take the hit. And then, like I said, if if it was fifteen dollars an hour for everybody tomorrow, yeah, that would be a little tough at first. But there's going to be a catch up period because everybody is making more money. That money is. You know, all of a sudden, everybody has more money. That's going to catch up with everybody. Um, well, and that—that that is the whole Wayne. I mean, here, here's another issue we run into too. I got to tell you, sometimes it's just hard to find qualified people that you're like. My entry level position is yeah. the mail goblin. Literally, all they have to do is they don't even need have to type up the address. It auto imports from our different selling channels. You print out the label. You just got to pick what's the right type of packaging. Make sure the product gets there in one piece. And we have issues finding people sometimes that are able to do this. The next yeah. step is to, to do a little bit of be in the front of the house, interact with customers. That's another challenge. I forget, one of the things we do during interviews, again, trying to do better interviews, right, is we have them write a story. I don't care if it's the three little pigs. It doesn't matter. Write me a story. Because that really tells me there's people that can't put two words of English together. You can blame the educational system, blame whatever you want to blame. But it's a challenge for us because if you're a wizard, which is kind of like our catch-all position for the front of the house, you have to put stuff on the website. You have to write a couple of news articles. We're not talking like Shakespeare here, right? But literally, when you, you can't piece two words of English together, it's difficult for me to justify $15 an hour for that Absolutely. kind of a situation. Yeah, you got to hire the right people for sure. Yeah. And I would, I would assume, I mean, the job market's pretty dismal. I mean, it seems to be dismal everywhere, so... I mean, there shouldn't be any shortage of employees to pick from. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, just finding, just finding the, the, the right mix, right? I mean, because yeah, they no, have I to. agree. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and 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 the counterpoint to that too is if you raise the basic non-trained, like you know, maybe not, doesn't have a college degree or anything, to fifteen dollars an hour, what do you raise? somebody that went through a four-year trade school, five-year, right? You start looking at these things and it's like, what do these people then need to be paid to be compared to the person that doesn't have any training and is just an entry-level job? Because we, we pick up a lot of, you know, people just fresh out of high school or still in high school. One of the perks of working here is that we, yes, keep going to school, keep going to college, we can work around your schedule, right? 
a lot of other places can't do that or won't do that, right? So it is a perk, employee discounts, annual bonus, all these things are thrown into the equation, right? Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll see a raise. I, I agree with you. Um, I personally pay out based on your skill level. So as much as I want to help you, if you can't move into the next work bracket, I can't afford to pay you for not doing that job that that other person is doing. They'll get the hours, right? So um, in that sense, the raising a minimum wage doesn't bother me. Raising it to $15, that's double what it is right now. Maybe a little bit less than that. I think it's $8, yeah. like forgetting what they raised it to recently. But Yeah, uh, like I said, they leap for you, but I would imagine they would do it in stages just like they did here, right. you know? Yeah, it's not going to just double overnight. No, I hope it not. And, and uh, I know, like, just to, to talk back, Thomas, about your point where I was, you're saying that it sounded like, you know, I'm kind of arguing against the 15 minute, $15 an hour wage. Um, I would, I'm just, uh, what I'm saying is I would, I would go for it. I, I'm, I support it no matter what. And I would, I would gladly take the hit. I would, um, adjust my business in, in, in a way that I needed to, to survive and let the car cards fall wherever they may. I just, I think the idea is, is bigger and more important than just how much money I'm making. Um, and I, I believe I can survive. I'm a really good troubleshooter. Um, I've survived this long already. I, I can make it work. I'm willing to, to do the extra work. I'm really, I'm willing to make whatever sacrifices are necessary because I believe in that greater cause. So, um, but I'm, I, another point I wanted to ask too, if they have this in the States, um, do they have a student wage? Cause you know, you're talking about people in school or just out of school, you know, why would you pay them $15 an hour right away? And I know there is a student wage here in Canada, but it's you like it's up to a certain age. Right. I, I've always kind of stayed away from those. Not, I think there is stuff like that. I just, it's pretty okay. convoluted and it's, it's tricky, right? I mean, you can get in trouble and with you, cause you can even have unpaid interns right um kind of situation okay. but uh yeah i've looked at it and it's it's a set of headaches i'm trying to avoid i'd rather just pay my employees you know and, and not worry too much about it but uh yes some things like that exist i'm not too familiar with them unfortunately so no fair enough okay. and then, honestly i don't want young people working at my store well there's that I've before i've gone as young as 17 and it was uh, a couple times it was always a mistake um, they need to be adults. They need to be nineteen, twenty minimum, uh, and even then, you know, the older the better. I, I find. Yeah, I've had mixed results. I've had some very good. I mean, I got two. I'm not going to call them kids anymore because actually, one's my front of the house manager, one's the back of the house. They've been with me for more than five years, and yeah. I grabbed them. You know, when they first started college, you know, just out of high school or whatever, and, I, yeah. and they worked out really well. So, you know. Um, but I wanted to segue into later on, there's going to be on this article still, there's another topic about like who's going to survive the smaller stores. I just wanted to point one thing out though. The big problem here too also is like, at least here in the States, I don't know how prevalent it is in the United States, in, in Canada, uh, a lot of our industry tends to fly under the radar and, you know, hire people for store credit. I'll give you a bunch of comic books to sort these cards. Those kind of people are always going to break the system, right? Um, and it's sort of, I'm not going to call it an unfair advantage, but realistically speaking, what they're doing is cheating the system. That Those employees are not paying into Social Security. They're not paying their fair share of, of all the social benefits that people want in this country, right? Um, so when you look at raising the minimum wage, it'll hurt those people that are hurt. Sorry, I shouldn't say it. It'll affect those people that are compliant and 
have employees on the books and are paying their taxes, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at some of these other stores that are just kind of like flying under that radar, it's, you know. Well, they're not, they're not employees at that point. I'm, I mean, the closest thing you can come to an employee that's like under the radar would be if you're paying them cash under the table. Right. Um, if they're doing anything for product or discounts or whatever, that's just an agreement between two private individuals. That has nothing to do, in my, in my opinion, with the business. And if, if a right. customer approaches me and like I have, I have a friend that has been hanging out with me uh, once or twice a week, he just wants to get out of the house, sort cars. He's like around my age, you know, he's way overqualified, but he just wants to hang out, sort some cards out. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, pay me a store credit. And, and, and that's what I'm doing. And uh, there, you know, there's, there's technically nothing illegal about doing that. It's not cheating the system. He's just doing something that, uh, you know, it was good for him, good for me. We're keeping each other company. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not. I think that's where the discussion gets really interesting because there's a lot. It's yeah. it's semantics at that point, right? Like, at what point does the person become an employee? Yeah. Like well, how many cars do they have to sort? And that's I mean, one of the comments on the uh, article, we can, actually. We can talk the semantics all we want, but for the U.S. government and the IRS in particular, mm-hmm. yeah. pretty, uh, they're pretty clear about it. They want their money. And you know, what I mean, when it comes to the private sector. I'm sorry. You're either a volunteer. Sorry, you're either an employee or you're an independent contract. They don't have a word for impl- for volunteers. Does that makes sense. And that's yeah. that's sort of something that's been hovering. This judge's lawsuit sort of brings that back to life too, right? What is and what is not an employee. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and obviously, Canada can be different legislation. I'm not familiar with that. So uh, I'm just telling you here, they're pretty hungry and they want that money. So of course, uh, of course, they being the IRS. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I think it's one of the interesting gray areas, though. But the the difference between a volunteer and an employee, or somebody who's adding value to your business, because like you could make the argument that having customers in your store, playing in your events, teaching other customers how to play your game, those games, you're like, oh, well, they're adding value, they're building the community. You're like, oh, well, they're contributing to the bottom line in a sense. Sure. And we, but I think that argument's ridiculous because clearly the customer is, is not the employee, right? So like. Yeah. There is there's there's some blurry lines on the edges here, and where the uh, where it falls and who gets determined like when they really define what it means to be an employee versus a contractor versus a, the volunteer that you can't even have that's not even allowed will be a, an interesting place to be. I'd, I'd like to see them enforce. Yeah, that's I'd the other thing too. Right? The government be that big that they go in and like okay, right, right, who who right. works here? Who's getting paid? You know, like I, I don't even believe that's that's a believable scenario. They they don't have the manpower to do that. I mean, they're barely. And also, in a lot of sense, they have very little understanding of what anyways. game stores are in the first place. Sorry, sure. but it doesn't. It, it, it you're correct, Wayne Thomas. Sorry, yeah, you didn't hear you. It was a. I was just saying that uh, the government generally doesn't have a great understanding of what game stores are. No, if you just say, "Hey, I sell magic cards." What are you talking about? Yeah, like, what does that mean? Like, no concept of like the hobby industry, basically. Right. So yeah. when you're like, "Oh, I sell collectible cards," like, I don't get it. So the fact that they'll be like, "Okay, we're we're going to come in and tell you how to how to run this place" is pretty unlikely. Sure, they might but, try. You know, you're you're one one potential audit away or one walk in away from closing up, right? So I mean, it, it, let's let's go back to like let's be let's be. An industry. Let's be professional. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. employees, pay them. If you have employees, pay your taxes. And this, right, and this 
is sort of kind of like fly by night. And I'm not talking about the guy that comes in and sorts your comics over, but I'm talking about like, I, I, I honestly know of people who literally just pass money under the, the table. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The people who are actually like deliberately going out and trying to get the person to volunteer to run the event or whatever the case may be, those ones are the, uh, the slippery types that I think uh, Gary Ray was talking about. Right. And I think what you're what you're talking about as well, and the uh, yeah, it kind of goes back to the minimum wage thing. Like if they're not classified as employees because that's how your business is dealing with them, then yeah, they're not going to be uh, kind of playing by the same rules that everyone else is if you're trying to go legitimate, right? So the uh, well, we we kind of mentioned the the last part first of the article, the uh, the survival of which stores are going to make it. If yeah, yeah, yeah things are pretty dire. I would say he's not. Uh, yeah. Not not an optimist. Gary's a great guy. Gary sometimes comes across as like, why are you doing this, Gary? <laughs> why do you still keep doing this? Um, but uh, um, but anyways, we can get to that if we want. Um, I was. Do you want to go down the, the next thing on the line, which is segues pretty much into this, which is the overtime for salary? Overtime. Yeah, so Gary makes the point that basically what's, what there's a new legislation that's here in the United States that's happening. I don't know if this is already in effect in Canada or if they're going to put something like this, which is basically one of the things that companies did when they couldn't afford increases in wages is they just started putting people on salary. And, and I've worked in big box. This is a big abuse situation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you work somebody, their minimum scheduled time is usually 50 hours a week. The reality is you probably put in like 10 or 12 more hours than that easily. Your salary doesn't go up. So what, what they try to do is basically you salary somebody, you're working the debt, and you're basically back down to you're making less than minimum wage, right, kind of situation. Um, so it's essentially a loophole. Right, exactly. And the, the, the sticking point there, again, is the number. They're talking fifty to $60,000 less than that per year, right? You now need to pay these people any hour over 40 at overtime. And so we're back to that, like, that's a huge jump. Um, 50 to 60, that's a decent salary here in the United States. You know, I'm not going to say you're going to drive a Lamborghini. It's pretty solid right. in Canada, too. Yeah. So, you know, that means pretty much everybody is going to fall under that umbrella. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people will, right? And so we're back to that sort of increase um, of burden and can you afford it? Uh, we'll have to see. Um, <laughs> I have one salaried person, well, okay, two. I'm salaried also. There's a store manager who's salary, and, and I have to kick her out of my store. I have to tell her, go home, okay? It's enough. She's that dedicated, that really. But she'll work herself to the bone. Um, you know, uh, she's passionate. She wants to do it. That's fine. But if this turns in, now I literally have to go. I can't afford can't for you to stay here, here to anymore. Go home. Go home. Right? Yeah, I guess it's an extension of the, of the minimum wage and the effects of that kind of thing happening. One on the bottom rung entry level stuff. And then also, at least for, for game stores, I would think it's the majority of them are probably the managers, the, uh-huh. those kinds of things. And, and kind of having to put a cap on their ability to contribute to your store now too. Another <laughs> challenge just, coming up. Yeah, uh, just, just to quickly go over the Canadian overtime, um, it essentially breaks down to uh, a week, like they go to 44 hours a week if you work Above 44 hours a week, every hour above 44 is uh, time and a half. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I was also look, just looking for um, like how long you can work for a day before. Um, what is it in the U.S.? 
it depends state to state, state. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I believe here it's 10 hours per day, um, okay. and it's also 40 hours a week, right? So if you go 40 hours a week, everything okay. over that is one and a half. But yeah, there are, there are regulations, which we run into that problem every time. Every time we have people at a convention, right, automatic overtime. It's going to happen. We, we also are stricklers. you got to send at least two people, right? When there's shifts here, there's at least two people on shift, right? Um, so, uh, yes, people always say, well, John, why don't you, you know, have a booth at our convention? I'm like, because every time I do that, we're talking about, you know, nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night, if I'm lucky, right? The people are on automatic overtime. There's not much you can do about it unless you start switching shifts, but you still got to cover the store too, right? So, but but that's how it works, yes. It's, um, it's similar. You guys have four extra leeway hours, but, uh, yeah. and again, states are, are different. Each state you go into is, is a little different, no? Yeah, and our, our daily amount, like, we can't, we can't force an employer uh, an employer, uh, employee is not obligated to work more than eight hours a day. Sure. So if they work eight hours and like, I'm done, there's really nothing you can do about that. Um, except, you know, hire somebody who is interested in working more hours. And that only comes up once in a while when we do like a pre-release or some big, big event. And, and they know ahead of time, they're going to be there for a long time. Yeah. So that's, that's already agreed ahead of time. It's understood. Here we, in, in this state in particular, it's a right to work stake, so it's a little more liberal, but what ends up happening is you also have the option of, uh, if you wanted to work longer shifts, but less day per week, right? So you can okay. cram hours into yeah. a certain amount of days, and it, and it works for some businesses. It's like, look, my receiving is on, like if you're a comic book store, right, your Tuesday receiving is going to be heavy. So you could have your logistics people work a long day that day, but they get an extra day off when, in, during the week kind of situation. So, mm-hmm. so there's some leeway. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, another one of the the uh, subheadings for this article is uh, mass marketization of the game trade, and mm-hmm. and it, he's basically saying how Barnes and Noble and stores like that are going to become essentially competitors to the traditional game store because they're really kind of moving in on the market. Mm-hmm. They're stocking as many board games as like many like board game stores they're holding the same stock they're actually doing events now too as well so it's going to be interesting if they're uh, getting in on the board game boom right yeah well for identifying what's going on it's it's definitely a growing area right and i mean um so i don't know if gary is trying to make the point that that's bad if it is gary i'm sorry i'm disagreeing with you but uh (laughs) realistically speaking i still look at it as a good thing right i mean for as big as our industry has grown, we're still such a tiny fragment of the population, right? Just look at comic books, the amount of people that follow the comics um, industry, and the amount of people that are involved in games. There's some crossover there, but those numbers are staggeringly different, right? Um, and there's a whole bunch of mundanes, right, that we can bring in into this. In Barnes & Noble, Walmart, all these other places, um, they've been competitors. They've been competitors for years, right? I mean, they've had this stuff. Magic has been in there for how long? Um, I still would like to argue, though, that they are a good place for mom to find this stuff and then come to our store. The caveat with that, it's time to step it up, clean up your bathrooms, have an actual sign outside your door, right? I mean, if mom goes into Barnes & Noble and it's not scary, but she's like, oh, I can go find expansion to game Y that I bought in Barnes & Noble into this store because somebody is a good publisher and they have like a store locator and they can look on the back of the box. You get what I'm going to 
if they come to us and it's a frightening experience, there's people cussing on the sales floor, right? I mean, wh whatever it is, it drives them away. You're right. Then Barnes and Noble is a threat. It is a problem. Um, I personally feel like they don't have the qualified staff. They don't have as, as big as Barnes and Noble is. And they're going to do, I guess now it's weekly game nights, right? They're looking to diversify too, right? I mean, um, they're trying to stay relevant. Um, and one of the things they're looking at is, is these games and the social aspect of getting people in there. I mean, all Barnes and Nobles have a cafe in it, right? So if somebody's sitting there playing games, they're drinking coffee, they're making extra money, right? Um, so it, it's time for us to step it up and make sure that the experience is similar, right? They, they Once they find the game in Barnes and Noble, they want to go to Wayne's store, they want to go to Mindless store, and they don't want to go back to Barnes and Noble, right? They, they've realized how much better it is at our place. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the mass marketization is is a good thing for the 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 industry overall. I think the good stores, the good independent stores are going to thrive because of it. Cause you know, these Barnes and Nobles, they're going to bring in the mass market. They're going to bring in the most mainstream customers, the mundanes. I know you guys like using that word. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so it's a great entry point to capture this customer base to get them interested in these hobbies. And then, you know, once you have some more experience, once you're into something like that, if you really get into it, of course, you're going to seek out the real game stores, you know, the places where the real gamers go. I mean, it's, it's a different tier. And there's no way a Barnes & Nobles is going to be able to offer this type of uh, knowledge and experience um, and, and specialization that uh, your local game store is going to have. They're not going to have that, that community. I mean, I mean, maybe there'll be some... Uh, regulars that start hanging out at Barnes and Nobles, but I, I see it more as just noobs coming in, trying things, and then walking away with the purchase, and then seeking out the grassroots communities that have been around for years and years, and connecting with those people. I mean, because really, I mean, where you find to play and and hang out and shop, this is all on the internet. There's all these forums. You know, people seek out these places. There's every every website for every game, you know, like the Wizards of the Coast is a huge website, you know, and our stores are listed there, right? You know, you go to, you go to the, the websites of all these games and we're listed as retailers. And that's, that's something we get uh, because we're on the front lines because they know we're doing the footwork. Um, and, you know, Barnes and Nobles is just a Barnes and Nobles, you know? <laughs> so it's not like, you know, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to start hanging out at the Barnes and Nobles, like on the forums and stuff like that's not going to be the place to go. So when they bring in this this mass market audience uh, and, you know, they, they get into it, they're going to they're going to seek us out. And I think we're going to greatly benefit from it. Yeah. And we are going to lose a sale here or there to them. That's fine. I understand that. That's sure. not a problem. It's a trade off. But I mean, I, I equate it to, I, you know. I got a new car, so I'm learning all kinds of things. Like, I never had leather seats before. I'm like, what the heck do you use a car for leather seats, right? <laughs> so I, I didn't go into Target looking for that cleaner, although I can probably go there and get, you know, armor all or whatever not. In the end, I had to seek out a car parts store that had a little more specialized approach to it. And it's the same thing. Uh, if I was looking for everyday stuff, sure, I'm going to find Catan in, in uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, I can probably also find Catan in my store, right? And once they found my store, they tend to shop because I have Catan. Settlers of Catan, Seafarers, the five to six player extension. I can tell them how that works because that's the other big factor. I mean, um, guilty when X Wing was hard to find, I went to Target and cleaned them out. The guys didn't even know what it was or where it was. Yeah. I had to find them myself. Right? Yeah. I mean, literally, it was in the Lego section to give you an idea, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so um, I don't know. 
maybe they get a good employee that's a gamer and then they'll have better success. But in the meantime, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah I think it's absolutely. probably going to be a kind of gateway drug for local game stores. Essentially, they're going to bring in the, like you said, the mass market and then they're going to become gamers through the process of being introduced to it. And then they're going to go seek out the serious places. Yeah. And so I, I think ultimately I'm it's going to be better. Sorry, I'm experiencing this firsthand already because I have a Toys R Us around the corner from me. They have a pretty big board game selection. They sell Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic and the little blister packs and stuff and fat packs and whatever here and there. But, uh, you know, um, the prices are generally higher than mine and they certainly don't have the specialization. It's just a big box store. And as soon as they find my store, then I, it's like a new customer. Like, you know, they go, well, do I want to go back to Toys R Us or do I want to go back here? And, you know, my, my shop is much more preferable than Toys R Us. So I, I'm already getting, you know, business from that. And, uh, and it makes me look good because my prices are better, because I'm more specialized, because I'm, I'm, I'm more knowledgeable. Um, it's, a, it's a much better fit, more personalized fit, and, and customers are drawn to that. And, and I, I see a lot in our industry that I try to fight, too. It's the us against them mentality. For the love of, we, don't, we live in a cooperative economy. We have got to work together, make friends with these people. I have a lot of guys that work at Barnes & Noble that send customers my way all the time when they are out of stuff, okay? And vice yeah. versa, I'll call up and go, hey, Joe, do you got this? Because the customer wants it right now, you know? Um, us versus the internet, us versus the brick, the big stores. It's We're in this together. We're all trying to make a living, and we can, um, you know, you can say a lot of bad things about Amazon, but their, their marketplace, for example, is a way to share that sort of wealth, right? So it's we can gain by working together versus where you think against each other. Um, you know, so uh, I've had really good success with some of my customers work in Barnes and Noble. Mm. They're a great source of, uh, of referrals, I should say, uh, for prime business. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which is a fantastic way to build your business, by the way. And then also, uh, I guess we kind of crawled to the end here. So his uh, his ultimate question is, who will survive? And his theory is basically the big stores, the stores that have made it to. Well, his uh, his threshold is like a million plus. That's what he considers a, a big store. He thinks that that that's essentially what's going to survive because they're the ones who could become compliant with the law fully and take care of all the regulations and you know have enough leeway to still keep going. And then he also says small stores, like we were talking about before, the tiny ones, the ones that can go under the radar. Those ones aren't going to be really effective because they're not really going to be paying attention to the whole thing, anyways they'll still kick around. It's the medium-sized stores that uh, he's theorizing will be put under the pressure in the next couple of years if these kinds of changes do come about. Agree? Disagree? Uh, so um, we, we skipped over a small point there that it was the increased showrooming, right, and stuff like that. Um, but in this segue, is a little bit into what I'm going to talk about as far as the mid-sized store. I went from small store, as he kept his view of a small store, and it's just an objective number. I mean, some stuff feels yeah. small to me still, even though I, 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 you know, numbers are very relative to your market, to how much you take home, how much your rent is, et cetera, et cetera. But let's just say uh, his ballpark was four to eight hundred thousand dollars, just consider a medium-sized store, right? In our industry, yeah. um, that's a big problem too. There is no real hard data. How much is everybody pulling in? How much they're not? Again, I think it's subjective and relative. I think a small store can do well. If he's in a market that has no competition, he's doing, he's specialized or whatever or not, right? Doesn't allow a lot of overhead. Um, 
But um, I went from a small store. I literally had 300 square feet to we're going to have um, the store we want me into is 7,500 square feet, right? Wow. So my scale, my scale has changed um, in sales and everything like that. When my scale went up, up in sales, my expenses went up. Like I said, 20, 22% of my um, gross sales goes back into the employees, right? It didn't used to be like that. It was just me to begin with, right? Well, me and my business partner at the time. Um, so I think there's a lot of leeway for this mid-sized store too, right? And I mean, there's there's things you can do. If you find out that, look, nobody's catering to Heroclix singles in your market and you're cornering that and you're doing it, um, you're doing it well, right? You can still survive and do okay. Just understand that sometimes we have this sort of desire to, I want to expand. I want to be a bigger store. I want. I need to get now. I need to get to a million dollars. Otherwise, I won't survive. Um, the reality, I think, I think there's a whole bunch of middle ground there. Um, and I think, yes, a lot of stores will not do it. Mostly not because of their middle-sized stores, because they fail to adapt. They don't see the changes in technology coming. They don't see the changes in the trends coming. And they keep doing the same thing over and over again and somehow expecting better results, right? In the end, Barnes & Noble is bringing in games. Why? Because they know this whole just, like, we're going to sell books, we're going to sell books. It's not working. And it used to. It was great. They were innovators, right? I mean, they're like, we're going to put a couch in here and you can spend all day looking at our books. Um, that was unheard of before. And they were one of, uh, sorry, Dalton, I believe, was the first one to start doing that, right? But it was a great place to hang out. We're still a great place to hang out. Small, mid, whatever. Just understand, if you're mid, you might not want to be looking at, I'm going to host the next PPTQ. That's not your bread and butter, right? So figure out what it is that makes you great, small, large, tiny, whatever, and you know, do it, and then keep an eye on and when it stops working. What's your next thing? And that's what I feel... A lot of these guys don't don't start looking at what's what's going to happen with the next generation. How do we engage with them, right? That whole argument about showrooming, yes, people are in your store on cell phones. They're not necessarily showrooming. They might be gathering data, right, because they don't want to talk to you. Some people are like that. They want to find out about what what is the rating on board gig. They're still going to buy it in your store, right? I mean, in the end, that's what I experienced. They're on their phone, and they still walk up to the counter with that game in their hand, and they buy it. So um, I think we're rather unique. No matter what, we, we are uniquely poised to be able to compete with the internet because we have the passion, we have the, the, the game space, we have the friendly atmosphere, whatever, the community, right? Um, and unlike Barnes & Noble, we can offer these things. They're going to be harder pressed to do it. So in my opinion, everybody's got a good chance of surviving regardless of size. It's just a matter of are you good at running your business and figuring out what you need to do to stay in business. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I think your ability to adopt and keep up with things is key um, to continue growing, not to stagnate. Uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, that's that's a dead end. I got caught in a rut. I remember a couple years where I just wasn't pushing forward, and it caught up with me. You know, um, and uh, it's it's important. It's very important. I think you just can't take away the advantage of a small specialized store. You just you if you're doing something the best, then People are going to come to you no matter what. Uh, you got the reputation for uh, for you know whatever you specialize in the most. Uh, you're going to always draw people. Um, larger stores, more encompassing businesses. Um, the larger businesses, um, you know, there it's harder for them to, to specialize as much. And it's a different feeling for, this, for the store too. Uh, and there's just so many unique situations. 
Um, depends where, you know, what city you're in, populations, uh, what the gaming scene is like in your area. There's so many variables. I don't think you can just say that, oh, because of this, you know, certain stores are just not going to survive. Um, I, I think it's actually depends on the, on the store and how, how hard they're working, what they're doing. That determines the success. I mean, I, I think game stores have been uniquely positioned uh, to be in a, in, a, in a place of opportunity where they can, they, can, they can quickly change from specializing in one thing and then switch to something else and whatever works for them um, because they are small. And uh, I mean, I'm a pretty small shop. Uh, you know, I've got my, my retail space is just over 900 square feet. I'm bursting at the seams. Can't wait to get a, a bigger space, but I got three years left on my lease. Uh, as far as sales go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around a quarter million uh, a year in sales. It's not a lot, but it's, uh, it's enough for us. You know, I'm just basically a one-man shop with some uh, four part-time guys. Um, which, uh, you know, and, and when, I, when I grow the business, I mean, I expect to, to make more money as well. Uh, I think the dangerous, uh, uh, one danger uh, people should avoid and not panic is trying to grow too fast too soon. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, you, you got to, you bite off too much. I mean, if you, if you go too, too uh, forward too fast, you're going to, you could, you could put yourself out of business. Yeah. Uh, so well, I mean, you, you've made a huge growth, John, like from the 300 square feet to the 7,000. I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's inspiring to hear. And, and I'm sure you've, you've worked really, really hard to well, do that. 20, 21 years it took. So yeah, it's not like know, it, you, you took your time to get there. So it's, it didn't happen overnight and it's a marathon, like, not a sprint. It's still scary. It's scary as all heck. Every oh, time you make that, that you're all nervous. Yeah. Goodness. Oh. Yeah. I think those are pretty good sentiments to close out on, though. Basically, you it, it's not just game stores. It's really any business, but you have to keep adapting or else, you know, you, you stagnate and you die. Just, yeah. like, uh, just like in the wild. And then also another good point that uh, Wayne brought up is be so good that they can't ignore you. Yeah. Right? Like do something so well that you are the go-to person in your, your area for that kind of thing. And, it's hard to fail if you are the best in whatever yes. you're doing. So specialization is a secret weapon of the small business. Yep. So yeah, we may have disagreed on some of the points, but uh, I think Gary brought up a lot of, a lot of great topics that people should be talking about. And you know, I, I enjoyed reading his article and I, I really like everything he does for, for the industry. He's, he's a good guy. Yep. Not to knock on uh, any of his ideas or anything like that. No, no. And, and that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, we, I often argue that we're all the same business, yet we're so different in the way we approach problems and the solutions we find. You know, we're part of the same industry, but, you know, what works for Wayne doesn't work for me, right, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and Gary's got his ideas, and by all means, I actually agree with a lot of them, um, not necessarily all of them. And that, that's, you know, it's the beauty of it. As long as we're all staying in business, we're doing so ethically and legally, um, great. People are happy. They're coming to our store. They're playing games. That's the important thing, right? That's right. Yeah. Stay optimistic. Keep doing what yeah. you're doing. And uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, a group, that's a good place to end the show. So I think we, we made it under an hour this time, which was great. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing your wisdom and insights with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you again, Thomas, for having us. No problem. Yep. Now I get to change clothes and go play uh, 
demo guy. I gotta unhook panels and cabinets from the wall so they can turn them down. Sounds like a lot of fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. All right. Well, you have a good time doing that, and you guys have, an, have a good Sunday. We'll talk to you All next right. time. Take it easy, guys. I'll talk right. to you next week. Uh, two weeks. Yep. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Bye. Okay, guys. I want to thank you for checking out another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I want to thank John and Wayne for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. And I also want to thank Gary Ray for writing the article that we discussed. But if you want to check out that article and read it for yourself, it'll be in links down below. If you want to help support the Maniverse Podcast, you can go to maniversesaga.com slash support and buy yourself a Maniverse Podcast t-shirt or become a patron on Patreon. Either way, I would be super happy. All right, guys, that's the end of the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching if you're checking this out on YouTube. And we'll see you next time on the Maniverse Podcast.